Hello, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Direct Input Podcast. Today is July 15th. It's a Saturday. We're here in Worcester at Ralph's Rock Diner, awaiting uh, to see the return of the mighty deceased. And we welcome Mr. King Fowley here this evening. Hello. I've just returned from unreturning, and now I'm returned. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me, buddy. Well, dude, it's, it's great to have you back. I think this is, uh, you've, you've been here once a year for the past maybe two or three years. Definitely with- a couple. I think this is the third time with deceased in October 31 played here one time to my other band so yeah i love this place well it's terrific you make great time. hamburgers well fuck yeah dude you got a hamburger right in yeah, front yeah, of I you do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's either that or our new bass player i haven't decided yet <laughs> it's all good i mean you've always made time to come here though which is something that's fucking terrific i mean like there's a lot of bands that actually kind of skip out on fucking new england in general and the fact is, is that you've consistently come back here. You recognize that this is like a legit metal bar venue. I love this place. I love. I mean, I love everything about it. I love Kevin Ward, who sets up the shows for us. It's great. Everybody here is always fun. It's always a great time. I mean, I, I'm, it's what I do. It's what it's about. Hell yeah! I think the first time I remember seeing Deceased had to be back at uh, the Palladium. Okay. Probably about 2002, 2003, yeah. uh, New England Metal and Hardcore that Fest. That was. That's what it was. And you guys were actually the first band I ever saw cover Venom. I think you ended the set with fucking black metal or something yeah, was like that. Yeah, you got it right. We did. That sounds about right. That was that was a weekend. We actually played the uh, Asbury Park Festival on the Friday. Then we came down, we came up here and played here on Saturday at the, the Hardcore and Metal Fest here. Yep. So it was a weekend of metal stuff, and uh, that was fun for what it was. But I mean, there's been we played a few places up here. Uh, what was the big room we always used to go? We played up there. We actually recorded a live album there. We never released at the um, damn. You're gonna have to help me there. Not O'Brien's. Not O'Brien's. The, the big the thing that's got like two stages upstairs and downstairs uh, over there. We did it. We, we actually played there on a contamination tour there as well. What year was this? This contamination tour was 2000. We played there in in I, I want to say the bigger room, and then there was another stage there. I can't remember the name. The name it was of the place. in the Paradise, was it? No. And it was in, right in Boston. Yeah, I, uh, I couldn't tell you that. It's Fuck. Massachusetts. That's yeah, like, yeah. I can get it down to that. But anyway, yeah, we played there a few times, too. It wasn't I, the Palladium. I mean, the Palladium was a right. big place. No, it was, it was the other place. It's a, uh, it starts with an M, I want to say. Oh, well. <laughs> Not Machine? Nope. Uh, I'll keep thinking about it. And maybe it'll come back to you. We're here 25 <laughs> minutes later, like, mm-hmm. that was some interview you did there, buddy. Did you play the rap back in the day? No. The, the, first, time we, the first time we came up here and played... Uh, I mean, here's a story. The first time we ever came to Massachusetts to play, yep. we were going to play. Charlie Infection was helping us out and stuff. And we played. Um, uh, he was actually part of the show with something. I don't think it was Conculator. I don't think it was Psycho. I don't know what it was, but he was part of it. And we went to play. We got there, and the guy's like, show's canceled. We drove all the way from Virginia. Show's canceled. Some underage guy was in here smoking weed, drinking in the cops game. But here's some towels for you guys to dry off. That's what <laughs> the promoter said. And I don't remember the promoter's name, but it was funny. Middle East is the Middle place East. we played. Dark, Sorry. Dark. Okay, now I can think completely 100%. But no, so we played. We didn't play the first time. Then we went and did the um, the uh, Hardcore Fest, I think was the first time. And then we started playing up at the o- O'Brien's. Okay. I think O'Brien's, I had an old band called The Port. We played with you guys, and I believe it was one of your like, first concerts coming back from um, whatever episode stroke. you had. A cur- yeah, you had a stroke. 2004, I had a stroke. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think it was. I definitely remember that, too. How'd that fuck up your life? It was weird. Um... Basically, when I basically I'm a big guy, and you know I used to be crazy as shit and drink motor oil and fucking, you know, outlandish drugs and all this shit many many moons ago. I haven't done drugs. I'm 49. I just turned 49 July 6. So I'm Happy 49. Birthday. Well, thank you. And uh, I haven't touched drugs like that since I was 19. So you're going back a long time, 30 years on that. But I haven't drank in 15 years now, and it got to the point where it was crazy, 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 crazy out of control. I mean, ridiculous. So. 
in 2002, I started feeling really weird and stuff, and I couldn't breathe and all this stuff. And I'm a big guy, so I was like, I'm wondering if it was starting to catch up with me, weight and all that stuff. But I'd always been, when I went to the doctor, I was always healthy. I mean, I was I could hold my weight, and I played fucking in basketball leagues, and I did all this shit, believe it or not. I was a really? jock, jock boy, too. Yeah, I could run my ass off. So, went to the hospital, and I said, I can't breathe, something's going on. They said, well, you seem like an anxiety kind of guy, you're anxious, you need to slow down. And I was like, I've been doing this my whole life, that ain't what it is. So I left scared because I couldn't breathe. Two days later, my girlfriend at the time told me, go to my doctor. So I went there like, you have asthma. I'm like, I don't have any fucking asthma. They gave me the purple inhaler, the steroid inhaler. I took that. Well, the next day I was going off to the Milwaukee Fest to play with not only deceased, but October 31 too. I was sure when I got on that plane, flying to Milwaukee out of Virginia, that I wasn't going to come back. I was going to die on this thing. So I got there and I made it through October 31 at two o'clock the afternoon and five o'clock was deceased when I was playing drums and singing, which was really the harder of the two. Because in October I was just singing, uh, you know, standing up singing. I did that, made it through it. I had a friend that was a doctor there and he goes, I think you got a blood clot in your lung. I said, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, be careful going back on that airplane because they traveled and stuff. He goes, I think you basically got a blood clot. I went back. I went to the hospital. I did have a blood clot in my lung. I'd already had it past the point where it was just a clot anymore. It was an infarct, meaning it, had a, like, it killed part of my right lung. I lost, I lost 18% of my right lung. Fuck. I was out of commission for 10 months. This is 2002. I was Fuck. out of commission for 10 months. They looked to see what caused this clot. They looked for cancers and lupus and all this shit, and they could never find anything. So they just basically said it was basically idiopathic, which means they don't know what it is. Kept me on blood thinners for six months to keep me off the stuff. 2003, I was okay. I worked my way back hard as hell. I thought I was never going to play again. I got back to running five miles a day. I was out on the fucking tracks running with military guy. I mean, just hard running to get myself going again. And it took right. me a, like nine good months to get right again. Good. Got back. 2003, I was lean, mean fighting machine. Yep. Well, 2004, I went to practice one night and my back was killing me. And I went to bed and I got up and all of a sudden I was duh. And I was like, what the hell's going on? And then my, 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 my son and my son's uh, mother said, you look like something's wrong with you. And I said, what's up? They're like, your, your face is drooping and all this stuff. And they, they didn't think I had a stroke. I was 36 years old. Okay. And I was like, all right, whatever. So I went back to bed. And I actually <laughs> let the whole night pass until the next day. Then I went to the hospital. And they said, you either had a brain aneurysm or a stroke. I went in there. They said, you had a stroke. Same doctors I saw two years earlier with the lung. Right. They said, we don't know what it is, but you've had a stroke. You've torn apart your left side. I'm left-handed. So I was all fucked up. Luckily, I didn't get the memory fucked up, but I got the physical right, shit. Right. was in there for five days. They checked me out. They had people from like John Hopkins Hospital, which is a top-notch thing in Baltimore, come in and evaluate me. They couldn't find anything wrong with me. So it was, again, idiopathic, and the guys were going to leave you on blood thinners for life. So I came back. I told the guys, you know, I'm fucked up, but I actually made a shirt that said, don't fuck with Strokey, and I went right <laughs> back to what I do, and it took me a while to get right. And... Uh, after all that happened, I just went back out to playing again. And by that time, people thought it was because of the stroke that I stopped playing drums and singing for deceased. But I'd already passed that point anyway. Okay. We'd already done that a couple of years earlier. Right. So it wasn't that. So it just happened to work out for the better. And I was still writing all the stuff. And I still do write all the stuff for deceased on drums. And I show our drummer. And I actually did play on our last record, Surreal Overdose, which is 2011, getting ahead of myself. But basically what you're asking me how much it fucked me up I, it didn't fuck me up as much as that lung did that lung I thought I was done I was walking around I couldn't breathe I had to, I had to piss in cups and throw oh. it out the window because my toilet was on the second floor I was oh. laying downstairs you make up your and you got to take a poo poo you better, you're climbing the stairs you're taking a poo poo so it was, it, was, it was what it was but I mean either you give up or you keep going I'm, I, speaking of that I want to send a quick shout out to, to um, Steve Grimmett of Grim Reaper who got back on stage yesterday after losing his leg and cheers that's what it's all about to me you know you go Go for it, man. Yeah. Life is life. He gives you what he gives you. It's terrifying. I saw Grim Reaper up at uh, Frost and Fire oh, last, yeah. last year. and then um, But I actually toured Ecuador okay. uh, like about 12, 13 years ago. Okay. And 
I've also been straight into a hospital in the middle of a tour. Right. And I cannot fathom fucking being down in Guadalajara, fucking no. or whatever. Like, and then, like, the, the horrible thing about that is, like, they fucked up the first amputation. Yeah, with I Steve. know, yeah. So then, like, they had to go back. It was like, they, they did, like, three separate amputations. Like, they just kept chopping and chopping yeah, and dropping. Yeah, all up there, yeah. Oh. Yeah, you gotta, if they done it right the first time. I got, I got stranded in an Arizona hospital yeah. on tour, and I could have, that was bad enough for me. Right. So I could imagine what everybody else went through. I was in Dayton. Fucking, oh, yeah. Ugh. They actually found I had AFib. Now, that's what, that's what determined in 2010 that I had atrial fibrillation. And that's what gave me the stroke in 2004. So that's Could've. been. I'm just on blood thinners, but I'm okay. still here tonight. I mean, I mean, I'm always terrified though that like headbanging is going to come back to me somehow. Give me 10 seconds. Keep talking. Yeah, no, you, you got a burger here. Uh, Fucking eat or Ralph's live forever. Mm-hmm. That's what they say. You're too rare to live, too weird to die. Fucking with your condition. <laughs> As the weird travel on. <laughs> But it's great to see you back here. Fuck, I just saw October 31 at Defenders of the Faith, uh, with Defenders of the Old. Fucking down in uh, Brooklyn, fucking uh, the, the Williamsburg Music Hall. Had a blast. A great show. He wang rules. Fuck, dude. How awesome is that? I mean, like, fucking, I don't think many people understand that fucking a Chinese immigrant fucking is <laughs> organizing one of the very best American metal festivals. I don't know how many people know this. Me, I, he actually came to me for the first one. Really? Uh, yeah, he, I helped him start the first one. I got him Tyrant. We got, we got Sentinel Beast in there. Wasn't the first one down in, like, Baltimore? Yeah, it was. You got it. You're right. On it. Yep, we got we got Destructor in there. I got a Midnight Two. All the first one, you know, he had nothing. Yeah. He basically sold his bike for the first one, sold his car for the second one, probably sold his Chinese rear end for the third one. This one, <laughs> I don't know what he sold. <laughs> but yeah, he said, you know, this one, this one was, I think, the last two were so special. The one with Exciter in New York at the uh, the Bell House two years ago was fanatical. And I thought it would never be top, but the one that just happened was some smooth sailing. The bands were great. It, it was, was professional as hell. I mean, what a weekend! I yeah, mean, I had no. a blast. Yeah, fucking both days were fucking action packed. I didn't miss any bands. Fucking me either. Yeah, it was perfect. And it was it, it, my only complaint is fucking those beer prices. But you know that, that, that's, yeah, New York that's New for York for you. Yeah, so you know it is what it is. But ultimately, so we, are you still down in like Virginia or no, like I, the No, I live by, I live by King of Prussia Mall in Pennsylvania. I, I actually was a, I got married for my first time in two thousand six uh, to a girl in Philly. I moved to Philly. Yeah, we, I got a divorce from her in two thousand eleven. We just had differences and stuff. So I stayed in Pennsylvania because I like Pennsylvania. Yeah, but by then Virginia was insanely expensive and because. Very, it was like Arlington, which is kind yeah, of yeah, like, Arlington, right outside of DC, right about ten minutes from the Exorcist stairs. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, Georgetown, exactly, right on. And, so, and, and yeah, and I liked, I loved it there all my life growing up, but it got too much to live. I actually owned a house. My mortgage was three thousand a month. That didn't include my bills. Damn. It was insane. I, I just got out of that, and like I said, I moved to Philly. I did that, and after that, I like Pennsylvania. Now I live about fifteen miles outside of Philly by King of Prussia, and uh, I love it over there. I'm remarried. I love my got me, my wife, and my uh, stepdad lives with me. He was living out his years. He's seventy. It's us three living there. If I correct, isn't your wife from Fall River? She is from Fall River. Really? Tara is from Fall River. Absolutely. You ever get to go to Fall River? Yeah, yeah. Got there a bunch of times. No shit. You get the Charisse, fucking linguine. Yes, all that's the her port- favorite. She's Portuguese, so. Fuck yeah. <laughs> She's on it. She's yeah. She last time we were up here, she brought it back and made a lot of it for us. That's right. My, my mother's from Fall River too, so okay. it's fucking. It. It's it's kind of a, like my whole family's from that whole area and yep. shit like that. So it's it's a different world from Massachusetts. It, it is. It's its own. <laughs> it's its own entity for sure. Yeah, it's not good. But um, so. What brings you up here? I think you guys are on like a tour ultimately for uh, the next uh, month and a half or somewhere around there. On and off. It's basically what we've been doing for a while. 
Uh, this year, we've actually we're on hold for a little while because our guitar player, Shane, congratulations again, just had a baby uh, uh-huh. daughter. So he took some time off, and they still kept practicing and stuff. And we're just, today's the first show we played in about 100 days. No shit. Yeah, and we're basically, it's just a one-off this weekend. We're going out and doing three, three, a couple three-day weekends, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, something like that. We're doing a lot of weekends and stuff right now. No real set, like, straight through days after days tour this year. Uh, working on something for next year. Uh, there's some ideas in the work. Uh, we don't know what it's going to get us, but I'll, I'll keep it to myself for now. But if it works out like I'm planning, we're hoping, could be a big deal yeah. for next year. I would give you the exclusive, but I, I, I'm not supposed to say anything. It's bro. all good. Oh, I'm so spooky. <laughs> but but anyway, uh, so we're just playing a bunch as we can. We're doing about 20, 25 shows this year just to keep, you know, we, I love playing. I like to play every day of the goddamn year, but yeah. I understand there's other guys in the band and they have kids and they have rent and they have work yeah. and life is life. So is there a new album on the horizon? There is. We actually... Uh, um, it's, we're, we're, we have about three riffs to go on the last song, and it's done. It's called Ghostly White. Um, it's going to come out on Hell's Headbangers. We're probably going to record it around Christmas. It'll probably be out about March next year. It's still about eight, nine months out, but it's finally we got together because uh, the Cease is a, a weird band. Like our guitar player, Mike Smith, he, he writes a lot of the riffs, most of the riffs, and we, me and Shane, I, I arrange the stuff. Me and Shane come together. We don't we don't write with a bass player because the last he plays on the albums, the original guy from Deceased for many years, the Oriental guy on the albums, he lives in Texas. Okay. So we go down. I go down to D.C. and I practice with those two guys. We write songs. Well, Mike's in the government. He does a lot of like overseas government work. Yeah. And for the last literally 15 months till recently, he was overseas. Really. So we couldn't do shit. So it sat there, and we're not, I mean, we don't throw a record together. And it's it's going to be by the time it comes out, it'll at least be a good six and a half years in the making. Oh shit! But it's called Ghostly White. It's, it's very melodic. This one, the last one, Surreal Overdose, was very fast. I played, like I said, I played drums on the last one. But I'm having uh, Dave, uh, our drummer, Dave Castillo, the live guy. He's back playing drums on this one. Uh, it's very melodic compared to the last one. It's very heavy metal to me. It's, yep. I, I'm I'm really enjoying it. Very catchy, but yet it's 110 percent deceased death metal from the grave. Death metal from the grave. Right on. So how's uh, working with Hell's Headbang has been much better than working with uh, Relapse. Absolutely the best. Relapse. Relapse. Uh, you know, they were young when we were young, and then all of a sudden they went a different way, and we wanted to stay, like, true to our roots and not liars and not bullshitters and not censorers of our shit. And what do you mean the, censorers of our shit? Uh, well, going back, you know, I just, uh, we could talk about this, too, if you want, at some point. I just, I did, there's a book coming out on my life, and I was just telling somebody downstairs, actually Kevin, uh, about how Relapse, like, you know, started swaying on us, and, you know, they started censoring us. When we did, pain, when we did um, Fearless Undead Machines, we were putting stickers on it at the time. Metal was dead in the United States, we're talking about and I was saying stuff on there like no Pantera beards yep. no yo boy breakdowns just deceased same logo yep. same death model from the grave and they wouldn't put that sticker on a thing saying it was controversial really okay now that doesn't sound controversial 20 years later then it, what do you think it sounded then not controversial yeah uh, we had some fuck offs with some bands we had problems with there were some people we had problems with yep. when a CD came out all of a sudden all that was gone Really? A lot of our fuck-off lists were erased. So <laughs> I was like, this is what you get in the underground, which is supposed to be like the genuine product. Right. It's Honest on sense. Yeah. yeah. Of course, yeah. They, were just, they were just, you know, scooping their shit underneath a different rug. Right. But Hell's Head Bangers on the opposite foot let us do what, what they, they like us for what we are. They came to us because they like what we do. So yep. why would they come to us to like what we do for, to, for us to change to what they like us to do? Exactly. And that's what's been great. Everything they've promised us, they, us they've delivered. Yep. And everything that they've delivered has been quality product. You know, they did those damn 
full-size wooden coffin things for us, those things handmade by the Amish. And I'm talking like <laughs> they were like three and a half, four foot each one, handmade by the Amish, which was uh, had our demos and vinyl in there. They, they said they'd do this for us. They told us it would take about two years to produce them. They did it. And when we got on, I was like, wow, this is incredible, you know? I've been supporting Hell's Headbangers for over a decade, and I can't think of really any other, especially American labels, that come by with the quality of the I product. I mean, they actually know the music. They don't just put it out. They know what they're doing. They enjoy it. Every time I talk to any of the guys, I mean, a lot of people don't know, but they're all brothers pretty right. much. Yeah. All of them are great in their own way. They all it's, they all look sort of similar, but they all have their own personalities, which is bizarre in, in a neat way. Yeah. And, just, again, everything they do is just comes off like... To me, like, just good. Just, like, not, you know, some people bitch because yeah. they have, like, unofficial T-shirts in there and stuff. That's part of it all, man. Yeah. It is. Whether people want to say it or not, whatever. You know, I've always said, if you want to bootleg to see stuff, do what you want. I don't give a shit. If you can make a dollar on it, do it. For me, music's about playing, you know, playing out and having fun. Yeah. You know, I, you know if you want, you don't want, if you don't want people to steal your music or make money off your music, then stay in your fucking basement and play to the fucking wall. Because yeah. to me, I just want to get out and play and have fun. You know, we all need to pay our bills. We all need gas in the van to get to where we're going. We all need new drum heads and whatever, this and that. So there's part of it there, too. But we know the difference between who's a taker and who's a helper, yeah, exactly. so to speak. And to me, Hell's Bangers is doing the right thing. Yeah. Well, what's crazy, though, is that they were really pioneers of the vinyl, you know, analog movement, so to say, with metal. I mean, nowadays, I mean, labels like Relapse are... Yeah, well, they're all yeah, they're die, co- copycatting hard. Yeah, seriously hard. And, you know, that's the thing. They want to do die-hard editions. Hell's Headbangers was the first to give you, I mean, fuck, even a poster with the vinyl yeah. was like a new concept. And you everything know? you've seen at all, I mean, they, when they first did our re-releases, like they did the Blueprints for Madness, which was an album about mental illness. I got the lyric sheet inside of it. was shaped like a brain. I was like, <laughs> there you go. There's creativity, man. Hell Neat, yeah. You know? Hell yeah. And full color at that. Do you like Kiss? I love Kiss. See, that's the thing about them is that there's a certain like fucking entertainment sensational value that as a collector, I think a lot of Kiss fans can kind of relate to. Like it's right. kind of the joy of like the Hell's Headbanger experience of right. that catalog. Right. Like uh, even like High Roller Records kind of comes to mind like, sure. recently. That's another. It's a gotta catch them all fucking sort of collective fucking like mentality. Yeah. I think. And you know, bands like Kiss kind of uh, are important for that. I, I don't know what. What do you think about people that don't appreciate Kiss, by the way? I don't, people that what? But don't appreciate Kiss. Ah, to each their own. I've loved Kiss since I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, you know, I got I got into Kiss when I was uh, eight and a half years old. And I guess people were like, oh, it's for kids. I'm 49 years old, and I was just looking today to see if there was tickets available to go see him up here in Buffalo oh, in yeah. two weeks, you know, and it was there was nothing. It was sold out, and I was like, good for them. And some people hate that Ace and Peter are gone, and the other guys wear the makeup. But for me, being in a band for 32 years, Ace and Peter were definitely positively fucking up so bad they were in it <laughs> they fucking lost it on their own yeah. then they got back to it and then lost it on their own again we were watching the Tom Schneider interview last night have you ever seen that Absolutely. on, on you Kiss you're talking about the bass player yeah yeah in the trout yeah in the trout I'm a plumber <laughs> but it was cool because you see fucking Gene Simmons is, is anger oh he's like looking at Ace like you're really fucking up here dude. yes <laughs> and I could see Ace's point too to a degree you gotta have some fun too and Gene was a little tight ass then you oh, know wicked but but I had this argument with people a couple weeks ago when all the horns thing was going down. Gene what do you mean Simmons the horns is, thing? You know, when he was trying to trademark the right. metal oh, horns, yeah, 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 which yeah. wasn't even what he was trying to do. He was trying to do the I love you thing, which was never going to pass anyway. Right. Gene Simmons is a businessman. It's part of it. It is what he do. 
But at the end of the day, the guy gets up and goes to work every fucking day. Whether you like him or not, he's out every fucking day. And I'll tell you what, I applaud anybody, especially in this day and age, when I see nothing but lazy ass son of a bitches everywhere I go that woe is me and I have this wrong with me and give me this and give me that and won't do shit. Mm-hmm. I went and saw Kiss last year and I looked up and I said, that's a 67-year-old man. <laughs> On a fucking harness at the top of this thing, <laughs> spitting blood on me. Hell yeah! And he doesn't have to do that. He's he's worth about 120 million dollars. He can sit home and count his money, and maybe he does. But I tell you what, he also gets out every day yep. and plays. They're playing tonight. You know, they're playing every night. And Paul Stanley, same thing. I mean, he needs to take a break. His voice is shot to hell. He's old as hell. But what do they do? They do a Kiss tour, then they go on a Kiss boat cruise, and then he goes and sings with his Motown band. Go home and take six months off. Get some uh, loot and cough drops and he come yeah. back, you know? Yeah. Oh, he's a painter now, too. Yeah, that's that, right. He is a painter. He's a fi- fine art painter. They had, <laughs> there was, like, some fucking gallery that put him up fucking uh, up in Boston about a year and a half <laughs> he'll, ago. Yeah. He'll always be star child. <laughs> Seriously, dude. Fuck it. I don't know. I think, actually, I like that fucking solo album the most out of all of oh, them. Oh, me, too. Like I'm the a Paul, Paul Stanley's my favorite singer of all time when it comes to guys. Really? With, with, like, yeah. I'm a Paul Stanley, uh, Pat Benadar, where two, my two singer favorites. Neither of them have a lot to do with what I do, really? but they're my favorites. I Man, Paul Stanley's fronted kiss is my absolute favorite. No shit. No shit. Big fan of I Stole Your Love, fucking I Want You, Love Gun, all that era, yeah. like, especially 76, 77. Yeah. Even All American Man, stuff like that. And oh, solo yeah. album, like you said, Side One, Tonight You Belong to Me, all that stuff. Oh, Move on. Yeah. It's unbelievably Come on and love good. love me. Fuck yeah. yeah. That's my. I, That's old. I, I gotta get down the karaoke right there, Come man. Come on and love me. Come on and love me. You got it. <laughs> Good for. I'm glad they talked to a fellow Kiss fan. Oh, no, yeah. I'm, I've never even seen them live yet. But wow. Literally, dude, I came around to it about ten years ago, and I sort of like kind of always snubbed them off because I was like, oh, whatever. It's not like technical enough or whatever. Right. But in the end, I just kind of realized that fucking, it's really an ego thing. I find that kind of. Restricts people from enjoying Kiss. It's just about Some people a just good, don't like them. They music. think it's more show than that. They can write fucking songs. And I'll tell you what, I'll sit right here and somebody, can, if you had a call in button, yeah. I want someone to tell me who was playing heavier music than Kiss in America at that time in the 70s. I mean, stuff like Strange Ways, yeah. come on. Yeah. That's Sabbath heavy. And that's coming from America. Yeah, there was bands like Bang and stuff like that who had occasionally heavy parts and Kiss had some light stuff too. Yeah. But man, they were, they were rocking and rolling. I mean, you know, it, it did turn into more show business and stuff as they went on. I mean, they were making so much fucking money. Right. And the first show I ever saw was Kiss in 79. I was 11. Okay. Dynasty tour. And that was when Peter Chris was on his way out the door. He right. was fucking up meth and they were sloppy and Ace was off and stuff like that. But I tell you what, I loved it. Had a blast. 11-year-old kid. And I've seen him probably 25 times since in all the years. It's incredible that that band could produce two albums every year. Yeah, in the early like days. five fucking years in a row. Exactly. Yeah, you're on it. I mean, I saw them without the makeup many times, and they still rock hard because the songs are good. Yeah, I think the songs are great. What's your favorite '80s album by them? I'm a big fan of Lick It Up album. Okay, Exciter is my track. First lead off track on on that one. I'm, you know, what's weird is I'm not as much into Creatures of the Night as a lot of people. Okay, I think half of it's almost filler. Really, I, mean, I love the title track, and I love I Still Love You, but basically the Paul stuff. But a lot of the stuff on there, like. I Love It Loud doesn't do anything for me. Never did. Really? It's kind of repetitive to me. And some of the other stuff, Rock and Roll Hell's okay in spots. Yep. But just didn't do it. A lot of people love that stuff. I like a lot of The Elder. So there you go. I, just to flip the coin there, I think it's weird and neat. <laughs> now, I don't like Carnival of Souls. I'm not a fan of the Revenge album either. I think really? that album's doofy. Really? And that one song, Spit, sounds like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I won't go there. <laughs> no, thank you. I don't need to hear Gene singing, No, dig this. No, dig this. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. So... What's crazy, though, is that there's a lot of kids nowadays coming into the scene that are, like, knowing about a lot of obscurely 
wicked obscure shit, but then ignoring really essential shit like Kiss. Do you find that's kind of like a pro- like I don't know if it's like really a problem with you, but like it's kind of weird to me that like some kids know more about Heavy Load than fucking Kiss or some shit like that. It's kind of a it's kind of a neat a neato thing for people to do. It's like go for the most obscure thing. Me and my son were talking about this the other day, like this band Glacier. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, I know Glacier. Yeah, that's a Everybody's prime like, example. Oh, I'm all into Glacier. I'm into Glacier. Yeah. I love Glacier. You're like. Five years ago, motherfucker, I couldn't get a motherfucker to, to do glacier. You mean like the ice right. thing that happens? Yeah. Now Mid- it's all about it. I mean, I don't know if it's a good thing or not. I always have a saying myself that is, know your passions. Yeah. And that means if you're going to wear it, then know it. I had a kid come up to me and I said, what's your... And I was literally... I went with the easiest shit because I was just... I wasn't trying to be mean. I was just trying to see where he stood on his, men, his heavy metal, you know, attack. And I said, what's your favorite Juice Priest song? And he said... British Steel. <laughs> and I said, song? He goes, yeah, that's my favorite song. I said, not album. He said, no, British Steel's my favorite song. <laughs> and I was like, how does it go? And then he goes, I don't know. And I was like, oh, God. So I just, I didn't, I didn't mock him. I didn't knock him. I just told him, I said, no, your patches, because he was wearing a Judas Priest back patch. Yeah. And uh, you see that a lot. You know, I was like, oh, yeah, you want to talk about, you know, whatever, the, the rarest new wave of British metal single of all time, or blah, 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 blah. It's right. Like, well, if you love th- it, love yeah. it. Like, Medieval Steel is another one. Like, fucking nobody fucking talked about Medieval yeah. Steel, like, fucking, like, two years ago. Right. And I, I go out to California, and it's like, I'm like, oh, there's, like, fucking ten fucking back patches here. Yeah. Fucking- I got the vinyl in my record thing over there for 150 bucks, if anybody's interested. Really? <laughs> no shit. What's, what's the name of your label? Old Metal? Old Metal Records is what, yeah, this is my just my distro. Old Metal Records, I put out about 50, 60 releases since, like, the late 90s. Mostly CD reissues of stuff like Blessed Death and Sound Barrier and stuff when nobody cared. I mean, I was putting out Witch Cross in 99 when nobody gave a fuck. Yeah, I, mean, I couldn't yeah. move 30 copies of Wild Dog stuff nowadays. You can't, you know, well, now CDs are the enemy again. It's like Fucking not cool to like CDs now or something. That Blessed Death album has some of the most intense vocals I've ever heard in my life. Dude. I saw him on that first album tour, man. Them and Agent Steel together, and it was unreal. Larry oh. Portelli, what a fucking voice. I, I contacted the band. I found the guitar player. He gave me permission to do a two-on-one. I put it out. Oh, and it was great. The fucking Knights of the of the uh, yeah, Knights of Old Bridge. Yeah, dude, that's the fucking. Was that about Old Old Bridge Militia or some was, shit? Yeah. I think it was. They're New Jersey guys. Right on. But you spent most of your like, career growing up though, like the early days of deceased. Was that like around the whole Baltimore or Maryland Doom thing? Like, you, like not at all. Nothing. We, we honestly and truly used to not get along much with the Maryland Doom scene. They were kind of yeah. like. They were kind of like slow pokes and yeah, dude. Yeah. Wino, dude. And I was like, yeah, no, Wino was doing this a long time. Good for him. And me and Wino are shake hands. He calls me the king of metal and I shake his hand and tell him, wish him well. We're fine. But there was a lot of like just that acid fucking, you know, uh, fucking Grace Slicks off, off shoot kind of shit going on. Yeah. We basically were the first band in Northern Virginia, D.C. area to play death metal. We would play shows with hardcore bands like this band called Creeping Corpse. They were just these bands. They'd probably do covers of stuff like GVH or Exploited and their own little original songs. And they had no idea what we were doing. We'd say, this is after the bloodshed and it's about, you know, the nuclear war fallout and, you know, shit that's generic as shit topics now. Right. You know, back then we're just kind of grabbing into what I call grabbing from the grave. We'd do this stuff and we'd play and I'd sing and play drums and they'd be freaked out of their mind. Like, what the fuck? This, you got to see these guys. They're insane. And at first it was PCP metal to a lot of people. Really? Like, yeah, these guys are fucked up on PCP because we were back then <laughs> and we did this stuff. The only other band in Virginia, and this was four hours from us, this was like Southern Virginia, almost North Carolina, was at war. 
And okay. I wore was doing more of a power metal, speed metal thing with some motorhead tinge to a three-piece. But when we were doing on down our way, we, nobody did it. Nobody. And then some bands, after a few years of that and seeing us do our thing, most of them were our friends. So I could name them like, you know, Abominog, Morticious, uh, Morbius, bands like that popped up on ours, like right behind us. And yeah. they did their own thing. And we were all buddies. And we used to get them shows and stuff. Right. We were a big band down there. We held the record at the Bayou, which was one of the biggest clubs down there for the longest time for, for locals. We had like a, the biggest sell salt they ever had for locals. And it really? was weird to us because we grew up like going down there and seeing, you know, Rat or fucking Lita Ford or, you know, that was what was playing there early on. Kiss actually used to play there and Rush. Really? I think Foreigner played their first American show there. I think U2 did. I think Pat Benatar did one of her first shows there. So it was a big deal place. But all of a sudden we're like in this place and we're like up in the and upstairs on the second floor looking out the window. And, and our friend was like, look at that fucking line. That's for you guys. And we're like laughing. We're like, these motherfuckers coming to see us. We're just a bunch of sloppy, you know, death metal from the grave kids. But it was, it, we built a scene. We were honest. We fucking, you know, I got stern. I got loud. I told people, don't pay extra for money. Don't get fucking, don't listen to fucking bullshit promoters. Yep. Fuck clubs that want to fuck you over. Fuck that. I was loud. And I still am. Mm-hmm. Even all these years later. And that was one of the things that got us going. And we, we took off. And, you know, some people didn't like us of the real musicians in the area, quote unquote, because of the simple fact that we were sloppy or we were young or we didn't do it their way or we had feedback on stage when we played or we didn't we weren't choreographed or whatever just not professional enough to them but we honestly and and earnestly got our way we go out and play these shows and bust our ass for what we did do and it was new to them too and it was ugly to them so those people became the enemy to us they became the snobby fucking you know those kind of fucking elite fucking idiots and we, we just we turned on all that shit and we were like we're underground and we're staying that way forever yeah. and that's my my thoughts looking here 32 years later since we started the band no shit still my thoughts is just get out and play have fun like we were telling the guy before you went on the air with this the guy behind us yeah let people use your drums man you yeah. know look out for the scene if you can help out help out man nobody's better than anybody in here if we're 32 years and if they've been playing 32 weeks makes us no better than them they, they're trying their best to do their thing yep. I'll do anything I can to support them help them out tonight just like I would expect them on the other side of the coin yeah, that's, no. that's the underground that's unity that's a good time yeah. and I'm all in it for fun and good times yeah right on I think a lot of the newer bands nowadays, they've really lost the sense of camaraderie and unity. There's like, none. There's really not like a desire to fucking help each other out. Like, and Even it's, just a, a simple collaboration of configuring a backline fucking could be a real fucking pain in the dick it nowadays. It can be. No, it really is. You're right. You play too. You know what you're talking about. Um, we just do our thing. You know, if somebody gets in their way and wants to run their mouth, I can run my mouth right back. I'm a big fella. I can say what I got to say, too. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I want to walk in and shake your hand and say, let's have a good night. Hey, I blast it out. I hope everything goes A to Z perfect for you tonight. Same for us. Let's do it. But a lot of times, commotion, yeah. you know, fucking, what, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, you know, just a tirade breaks out of bullshit. Yeah. And I'm like, what is this all about? We just want to set up and play heavy metal and go home. Yeah. A lot of ego out there. That ego. Fuck all that. <laughs> Are you a Redskins fan? Used to be. I'm a football fan in general. I haven't been a fan of any real team since free agency, which goes back a long way. Really? Yeah. Really? I, I love the Redskins back in the day. I'm going way back to the days of Art Monk and Gary Clark and even the John Riggins before that. And, yeah. The you Hogs. Know, the Hogs, of course. Yeah. I mean, loved football then. Football's so fucking lost now. The free agency fucked it up. When Art Monk left and went to the Jets, Gary Clark was on the Arizona. You know, then it was the, the Phoenix Cardinals, or it was even the St. Louis Cardinals. Right, right. You know, all that stuff. It changed it for me. I like teams. I'll be honest. Can't stand the Patriots. Oh, I love the Patriots. Yeah, not a, What's not wrong a fan with the pa- Patriots? I've never, liked, I've never liked the Patriots in the last... 20 years. Hi. What's up, buddy? Good to see you again. Uh, I, I don't... I 
I don't like Tom Brady. I don't like him. And he's I'm, a lovely man. How can you, oh, what's wrong like with him. Tom Brady? I, I don't know. What he, the fuck? He, he's, he is what he is. You stop it. You, you <laughs> the bartender's jumping in now. Oh, my God. I just don't, I don't know. Whatever. Teach their own. He's won a lot of things. I just thought <laughs> something about the New England just never rubbed me right. If I was to pick a team now, I, I, I don't have a team. I'm it's not, not like, the Cowboys, right? No. The Cowboys like, suck. Nah, I don't like no goddamn Cowboys. Uh, Cowboys have always been the, nah. The bad guys. They're bad guys. See, there we go on that. But I just know. I don't, I don't. I don't really have a team anymore because it's yeah. because people aren't loyal anymore. Everybody goes somewhere. You start to like something. You're like, ah, oh, this motherfucker left. He's over here now. Yeah, yeah. It's old. It's all about money. And unfortunately, the yeah. rules today. Uh, this is what I want to say on Tom Brady. If Tom Brady played 20 years ago, he wouldn't have made it five years in the league. When you could kill somebody, when you got to him, now yeah. it's like you get to touch him and give him a massage and rub yeah. his feet. I hate that. And that's not just Tom Brady. That's all of them. That's every one of them that's played. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, fuck, I think Peyton Manning's more guilty of that than Tom I, well, Brady. Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning got hit a lot more because Peyton Manning. No, he Manning, didn't. No. You don't think so? No. I, I think, I think in, for a while he took some hits, and I just thought that he got beat down quick. Yeah. I, here's one thing with Peyton Manning. I always thought he took the Colts, who I always thought weren't as good a team. Yeah, scheme wise, and he did a lot with them. I, I like I like Peyton Manning. I don't love him. I liked him a little more. I don't know. I, I, it's him and the Tom Brady show. Yeah. I'll always love the fourth the fourth down call. New England didn't get the first down. That'll always be my play. Oh <laughs> Jesus Christ! And I'll always and I'll always be with the Raiders on the tuck rule. I'll always the be with the Raiders rule. on the yeah. the fuck rule. That's what they call that. <laughs> that may be why I don't like Tom Brady. Just right there. Yeah, well, you know, I think that was a conspiracy. I think that was 9-11 more than anything. I think the Raiders are just hated as team in football. <laughs> yeah, that definitely goes back to fucking Al, Al Davis and in some uh, yeah, respect Al like Davis. that and all that bullshit. Fuck it. Um, so, yeah, but you, so you said you play basketball. Fuck, uh, are you still playing at all? I you, would love you, to play. I can't get anybody to play anymore. My son used to play, but he's married now and lives with his wife, so he doesn't play anymore. I'd love to play. Really? I'm a big San Antonio Spurs fan when it comes to that. Great team. Nice small uh, Mackett. You know, yeah, great team, honest team. Not a Golden State Warriors guy. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I like what they built up, but then once they built it up, they started to turn into the old turn and churn. They can say what they want. I've watched it myself. Yeah. So it is what it is. I'm a Spurs guy. I'm a big time Spurs guy. I just wish that uh, that Leonard didn't hurt his foot. Get, well, he didn't hurt his foot. He didn't get. Uh, Attacked by the Golden State <laughs> in that game. I don't know if you follow that, but whoever did, yeah, he, yeah. he uh, stomped on his uh, yeah. foot or whatever. Yeah. Fucking I didn't like, do nothing, Mister yeah. Dirty of all time. And not that the Spurs haven't had some dirty players too in the past, because Robert Horry did play there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I love my basketball. I'm a big three point shooter guy. Really? And what is about me that I used to like was they'd be like, "I'll cover the fat guy. I'll cover the big guy. I'll cover the big guy." Then ten minutes later, I can't cover this guy. But I don't <laughs> stop. I'm really? a war horse. I don't stop. Really? I go and go and go and go. Yeah, and I'll wear you down. I'll go to the smallest guy, the fastest little guy running up and down the court, and I'll chase him around endlessly. Fucking. And they're like, this fucking dude won't leave me alone. I'm a big guy, and I'm clumsy at times, and I'm, boy, it hurts. Full press. No so, shit. Oh, that's it. But, yeah, I, was, we, I played in the league for a, a bunch of years. Oh. I was a three-point guy. Hey, thank you, Kevin. Kevin Ord. Mr. Kevin Ord, Stamping ladies and gentlemen. Stamping the hand. Stamping the hand. Stamping the hand. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, fucking, um, it's been about 30 some odd minutes right here. Yeah, whatever you want. So you said you got a book coming up. Uh, book coming out. It's called Stay Ugly. Stay Ugly. It'll be out next week. It's my life story. A guy got in touch with me. I was actually on tour. This is funny because this is the night I actually went. To, this is the night I ended up at the Arizona hospital to find out about my AFib. We were on tour. We went to a place called the uh, something Cheyenne Saloon in Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh, yeah. I've been there. Okay. I played there. Yeah. Hot. Very yeah, hot. Very room. hot. Yeah. We played. The show was over. I felt weird. I was like, my heart's beating like a fish out of water. Something's wrong here. But this guy came up and said, hey, man, can I do an interview with you? It wasn't a podcast, but he did want to do an interview. So we did an interview. Yep. He called me. He said, you want to put a book out? He said, I got a publishing company. I said, yeah. 
What do you want to do? He goes, I want to do a book on your life. Okay, this was 2010, so it took seven years. Many, many years of me and him interviews. He wrote it his way. Then right. he, we decided, well, let me just write it. So I've been writing it for the last three years. I finished it earlier this year. We proofread it eight times. We sent it all over. Still got about six or seven mistakes in it when I finally read the finest one, but that's, that is what it is. I heard The Shining had like three in it the first time out, so it is, it's not like it doesn't happen to the big guys. So anyway, it's my life story. It tells the story about me being on drugs bad as a kid, yeah. coming off of it, my stroke, my stuff I was telling you earlier about, you know, it's, it's about fucking like fucking up and then fixing things. You know, and, and learning from your mistakes. It's a life lessons book. There's some things about me getting into fights with bands along the way. There's some stuff, some funny humor stories with the ladies. Yeah. You know, there's some dirty moments. There's some drinking motor oil, pint, you know, yeah. pints of motor oil here and there. And <laughs> that kind of shit. So you get a little of this and that, but it's not all like, oh, I fucked this girl. No, oh, I smoked this fucking, I smoked 47, you know, bags of weed in an hour. It's not all that. There is some in there, though. Yeah, yeah. I did, st- I, yeah, it tells the story about how I got into cocaine, how I got into PCP, how I got off drugs, how I almost died from drugs, how I got hooked to alcohol, how I got off alcohol, how my, my son's mother died, how my mother died. And it, it just, I, I tried to tell it chronologically, and I tried to make it honest, and I tried to make it genuine, and I tried to make it interesting, funny at times, sad at times, emotional all the way through. Yeah. And I'm very proud of it. It's uh, 322 pages. It's 117,757 words. Christ. I know this because I just got all the goober gabber from the people. <laughs> and I'll have it next week. It's called Stay Ugly. Uh, if anybody wants it, you can get in touch with me. Email, Facebook, however you want to do it. Facebook's full, though. The Facebook is the 5,000 limit. Oh, the, yeah, you know, yeah. So just send me a message there, Kingsley King Fowley. And you can get me there and uh, just send me a message. Don't try to friend me because it'll say, he cannot accept friends because 5,000 is our limit. Yeah. So just send me a message. Say, hey, I'll try to get in here and be your friend, man. And we can talk about the book or whatever. And I'll try to bump somebody out, you know, like Clinton Massager that doesn't exist in, you know, <laughs> Peru. And then you get somebody else in there. But, you know, that's just dumb, whatever that is. Or an yeah. email, King Doomstone, K-I-N-G-D-O-O-M-S-T-O-N-E at Yahoo.com. If anybody wants to chit-chat or talk about the book or anything, I don't care. It's all about fun. I'm always there for everybody trying to have a good time. What was the name of the publisher that was put the, in? It's about? a Burning Media. Burning Media. Yes, Burning oh. Media. He's out of uh, he's out of Las Vegas. Okay. And his name's Mike Sloan. He's a great guy. I love the guy. did a lot for me, man. He basically got me to, you know, not that I'm hard to motivate because I'm, I'm a doer. But yeah. it, was, it, was, it really got past the point of just, okay, we're going to do a book on my life. Right, right. And there's other stuff that's... Happening soon too. I might as well mention another guy is going to do a documentary video on my life. And really? We've been going over that, yeah. Guy named uh, Patrick Meher out of uh, Virginia, and he grew up with deceased and all that stuff. And he got in touch, and he wants to do stuff. And he's actually wrote a script, and wants to do a lot of animated stuff to tell the stories growing up and some of the song titles and stuff. That might be a year or two out, but he's definitely putting some time into that too. And I want to, you know, give him a shake of the stick because he's a good guy. So yeah, so it's weird. You know, just some guy, you know, just some fat, fat guy out of Arlington, Virginia, that plays death metal from the grave. Still, <laughs> no big deal. No, no, you know, ego strokes here. But just let people know what's available. New deceased, ghostly white. Next year, October thirty-one, we'll have a new album. Yeah. Uh, next year, that's called Ye Old Peril. Uh, that's gonna be heavy metal and nothing more. We call it calendar metal. <laughs> calendar metal. October thirty-one, calendar yep. metal. Right on. You know, and uh, other than that, 
Any new releases on old metal records? Nothing on old metal. Everybody's taken the thing and run with it. Everybody's called everybody in the phone book now, and all of a sudden, you know, the Pied Piper of London fucking two-song demo from 1983 out of, you know, Brussels, Germany is now on a, you know, a limited edition semen-covered fucking seven-inch by, you know, (laughs) yeah, Billy Billy Baxter out of, you know, out of Bogs has put it out. It's just everybody does it now. I I would still do some someday, but what I'm getting at is most of the bases have been covered. Yeah, no, I hear you, dude. That's the thing. I mean, I didn't even realize you put out like you put out Witchcraft Fit the Fight. Like, I did put out Fit for Fight when no one cared. I put out Soundbear. I did Wild Dogs. I did so much Griffin. I mean, but nobody cared yeah, yeah. back then. I used to go and be like, Yeah, man, here, you might want to buy Soundbear here, and like, ah, what's that? You know, and I, I moved like thirteen copies. Really? Now it's like you see it on eBay. That yeah. thing goes for 130 bucks. <laughs> well, like Fenris fucking plugged a bunch of shit that you put out in, in some of those newer Doctrine albums. And yeah, it's like a just it's like a little logistical bump in commerce if you right. get plugged by Fenris because you know guy's probably still selling five ten thousand CDs right. you, yeah, know? Can, yeah, you know stuff he's got a popular in the underground yeah it is what it is I mean you know I love doing it I just I do it for fun and nothing more it can be a headache some of the guys that we did it with a man's word supposed to be a man's word all of a sudden like their label gets in touch with them and like you can't put this out they change their tone or another guy's like fuck that dude he ripped me off go ahead with it so I had a lot of that back and forth or someone's wife got mad at him or you know there's it's just there's always somebody in the band doesn't want it and there's another guy that does and then shh don't tell him and yeah. shit, I was like I can't do this I'm, I'm, a, I'm a grown man either we're yeah. in or you're out you know before we uh, before we shut this one off what's one band right now that you would wish would just fucking hang it up Ghost can't really? stand it. Really? That's 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 shit. I mean, Iron Maiden's my all-time favorite band. Just went and saw them for my thirtieth time, and I sat through that fucking slop. That shit is shit. And if people like it, so be it. Teach their own. I never knock anybody for what they like. But if you're asking me directly, that shit is shit. Yeah, it was interesting seeing that whole lawsuit go down. Oh, I, I, I don't I, understand the logistics of I'll it. I'll tell but. you what's up. Uh, a few years ago, October 31, toured with Oz. Okay, and Oz manager was on tour with us, and Ghost was just coming up. And he was laughing, going, this guy will do anything to make a dollar. And he goes, it's going to come out. He's all about money. And now you're seeing they're all going after him for the money. Now it turns out he didn't even create the character, you know, all this stuff. Whatever. I don't got nothing against the guy. He should just, it's just, it's a farce. To me, it's yeah. a farce. It's a disgrace to music. And it's just not for me. Yeah. You know, more Voivod, less Ghost. Thank you. Oh, fuck yeah. I'm going to go see Voivod in September. Absolutely. I just, saw, I just saw Voivod for my 50th time. Really? 50th time. I was at the very first show ever at the Ritz when they opened for uh, Venom and Cro-Mags. God damn. I've seen them every tour. They're my buddies. I love them to death. And I'll just say this, and I'll leave it at this. That thing I was going to give you this exclusive to, yep. that's part of the, that's, that's somewhere in the equation. Boom. And that's, that's what you get today. And I wish everybody well, and happy Saturday, and... Have the cheeseburgers here and listen to this podcast. And the only thing I can say bad about Rouse is they need to get some cheese puffs up in here. (laughs) Cheers to you. Take care of yourself and long live metal. Cheers. Thank you, King. Thank you. Cheers.